The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. crisp morning here in southern middle tennessee and we are proud to breathe with you today as always i'm chris yow to my left is of course maurice Patton. this is southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint mo as steve harvey would say folks we got a good one for you today <laughs> he says it every time i love that stuff man um and we got a lot going on today and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great show. I hope you guys will stick around. We've got a lot of uh, high school coverage, but also in the second hour we've got some SEC football coverage that will have a hyper local angle with twenty four seven sports writer Ryan Callahan. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be really cool. And of course we've got Charles Pulliam and uh, coming up pretty soon here in just a few minutes. First we want to talk a little bit about. Um, I guess the biggest thing that happened yesterday in high school sports was we had some golfers advance to the next round of the state playoffs, and we have some golfers competing in the state playoffs right now. As we speak, um, Summertown's boys and girls are on the course at Willowbrook down in Manchester for the small class state championships of course we've we've talked about the summertown girls more so probably they are going for their third consecutive state championship this week um 18 holes tomorrow 18 more on wednesday um the summertown boys meanwhile making their first state tournament appearance and um hoping to follow in the footsteps of the lady eagles obviously so well, that would be ideal for the boys, I'm sure. That you know, I I, I wonder how much smack is talked when they're on the course. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, it's got to be some. Get on my level. I say mean, the girls. Yeah, I, there's got to be some kind of smack talk in the middle of that kind of. You know, it, you, you've got a couple of defending state champions out there, and, and it probably encourages and not you know it, it motivates the guys to continue to get better uh, yeah you would which think. they have done clearly uh, clearly yeah and um it doesn't hurt when you can add an eighth grader cole campbell who comes in virtually as your number one and and has really solidified a a boys team that has been close with them um, with guys like drake blackwood and, and eric wilkinson over the past couple of years he and harrison gobble that kind of gave them that extra guy that they needed to go low and put them in a position to be as successful as they have been this year so yeah um 
looking at tee times again. Um, on the boys' side, Max Johns went off at 8 o'clock on number 10. They shotgun start down there. So mm-hmm. Max went off at 8 on 10. Um, Drake Blackwood on at, at 810. Eric Wilkinson at 820. Harrison Gobble at 830. And Cole Campbell at 840. On the girls' side, they will go off on number one, Summertown Will. Kaylee Campbell is set to tee off at 920 with Carly Campbell going at 930 and Laney Campbell at 940. You might be noticing a trend. Uh, you know, it's it's funny <laughs> that you say that. Um, it seems like they all have similar last names. <laughs> you are perceptive. Uh, you, well, I mean... I just you're nothing if not perceptive, and that's about all I am. Yeah. Um, I you know golf is one of those sports that sometimes like I don't really pay attention to. Like I just I've never paid attention to it because one I don't play it. So like high school golf is something that I was like, oh, we have good golfers around here, <laughs> and, and it's not just Summertown. I mean, you've got Claudette Runk over at summit mm-hmm. who is you know she's gonna play in the the regional tournament mm-hmm. and it just no she's gonna play in the, the state, state tournament. tournament that's right yeah. she's in the state um but it, it just i guess it's it's unusual to me to have good golfers in your area because where i come from we just don't have those well see and and you are you are that guy that parents get upset with because you don't keep up with their sport I mean, it's not that I don't you, you want don't care, to. I you just don't, don't care. You don't care about their sport. Do it's you? not that I don't want to. It's just that <laughs> it's unusual to me that it's worth covering in the fact that we have teams. Mm-hmm. One because mm-hmm. we didn't even have a team, you know, where I grew up. We mm-hmm. we barely had grass enough to have a course. Um, we had a par three course. Nine holes, par three. That's all we had. Nice. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But, like, my point is Mm -hmm. that it's just, I mean, I didn't even realize high school golf was a thing until I got elsewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's a thing around here. And it's really good. And there's nothing, not much better than watching good golf. Good golf. I mean, if, if, if it's almost, you know, it's relaxing, it's enjoyable. I really like it. So, and and I'll tell you, just watching these kids compete in anything, right now at a, at a high level, right now fun. especially. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, we did have some some other golfers advance, and yeah, as as you mentioned, Claudette Runk from Summit um, placed third individually at the Region 6 Large Class Tournament yesterday over at Greystone in Dixon. She shot a 79 and was actually tied with Brooke Brummett from Brentwood for that third spot. They both advance, but um, Claudette officially won the number three spot in a scorecard playoff, so she will make her second state tournament appearance in three years she went as a freshman and as summit coach paul redding said last week at the um district tournament she did not do so well at the region last year yeah but um, i have to expect she's going to want to um 
I guess, best that, which obviously, I mean, in golf, a lot of times you're playing against yourself anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's tough. It's tough if you try to play against somebody else. Uh, it's it's you in the course and, and, you know, just trying to go low and, and then hope that your low is low enough to take you to the next to the next round. That's the that's the thing about golf, and we will, we can get into this if you want to at any other time or even now. Oh, by the way, I don't consider golf a sport. <laughs> this that's a good time for this. Lines are open. They are nine three one three eight one one zero one seven. If you consider golf a sport, feel free to call and take it up with Chris. So I I think golf is an athletic activity. <laughs> But my definition of sport, my personal definition mm-hmm. now, is someone must be actively attempting to stop you from attaining the goal. Okay. That is my definition of a sport. I don't know if, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm just saying, if you if you have a better definition of sport, please tell me. 931 We'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't have an issue with that. It's a it's a pretty good definition. <laughs> I've I've never heard it put that way. You know, my I guess my definition of sport is, you know, to have an opponent. And, you know, as you, I don't know that you have an active opponent in in golf like you. That's, I think more like gymnastics, in particular where it's subjective if if i can't walk away from a competition and know who and and see and know who won and lost i have a tough time regarding that as a sport athletic activity absolutely because those and, oh it's athletic it's all get oh you're there's no question <laughs> that they're athletes uh, um nascar is where you often have that conversation as well. Is that a sport or is that an, is that either? So I consider NASCAR a sport because you are actively attempting to stop someone from attaining the goal. Are you trying to stop someone from attaining a goal or are you just both chasing the same goal? You are. Well, when you're the leader, you're stopping folks. You're, you're blocking. You'll, you're doing whatever you have to do. So it's just like a defensive person in basketball, mm-hmm. right? They're playing defense despite being ahead. So, yes, I consider NASCAR a sport. It's very weird. <laughs> and, and that one is the most – that's the toughest one mm-hmm. because I can't – sometimes I go, well, are they trying to stop them or are they just going for the same goal? Mm-hmm. In golf, I would like to see someone be able to put a red ball toward your ball and knock it out of the way. Like, like, um, I think that shuff, would be like cool. shuffleboard kind or something of like, like that. Shuff- yes, that would be fantastic. Or curling. Curling is, uh, that's a tough one too. Well, I mean, they they've they've put their stone down there, you and then are, you have the opportunity to knock knock it, away. it out. So that's again, that's very much like NASCAR. You, it, it's basically the same thing, right? You, you are just trying to stop someone while also trying to attain advance yourself. Yes. Yeah. So oh, okay, if you can score defensive points, I think it's it's hard to 
it, it's hard to say that, that it's not a sport. Yeah, it, it yeah. kind of like I mean cornhole even same <laughs> thing because you can knock their bag off the <laughs> board. So anyway, that's that's just me. You you can go with it however you like. As as a friend of mine, well, and as a friend of our show, Joe Williams would say, "It's just my opinion. Ought to be yours." <laughs> That's exactly what Joe would say. All right, when we come back, we're going to get Charles Pulliam on the line from the Speaking Williamson of. Herald. That's right. Yeah. We're going to get Charles Pulliam on the line, and we will be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. You guys stay tuned. Charles Pulliam on the other side of the break. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. And welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We have with us on the line the multimedia journalist that everyone aspires to be in this area. I can assure you that I am the no longer um, chasing anyone other than Mr. Charles Pulliam from the Williamson Herald. Oh, man. Wow, we got to elevate your goals here, buddy. No, dude. No, not at all. You, you are absolutely the the man when it comes to multimedia journalism no this is this is the guy that everybody wants to be when they grow up (laughs) i'm never growing up oh geez well i'm flattered yeah i was actually uh doing some photos yesterday with some cross-country runners and i was outside brentwood football practice and uh coach uh evans there the offensive line had his unit chant my name i was i was leaving so that was very flattering (laughs) that's never happened to me oh man Come on now. Especially the offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't cheer for anybody. <laughs> you sometimes get something out of them. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Hey man, yeah. um so you were at you were what were you doing with Brentwood Cross Country just out of curiosity? Well, you, I got a nice little feature story coming up on the uh mm. twins there, uh Kevin and Caitlin Vandercock actually. They're uh top runners there, both have the school record seniors this year and uh high contenders for the large school state tournament coming up here so uh wanted to be sure to try to get them uh featured up a little bit and they're pretty cool story between those two so um i might save the story and not put it in this week it'll probably go in next week but uh a nice nice segue from uh the constant coverage going around you know there you go and a nice little nice little tease as well there so you can look for this in not this coming williamson herald but but the following weeks williamson Herald. correct correct and it's it's a cool story i mean a couple uh twin runners they're not identical but uh they they've led the team the last couple years i think kevin was the lone williamson county placer at the state tournament last year from uh uh, Brentwood, I think he was about the 12th overall. Caitlin placed as well, but both of them looking to uh, five for a championship. So cool stuff. 
Well, and I can see why you might hold that a week because this is going to be a big week from a gridiron standpoint with this um, this Independence-Brentwood game coming up on Friday. Oh, definitely. And then, you know, just hanging in Region 6-6A with the Centennial Franklin, you name it, there's uh, there's some big county matchups there. But as you said, that Brentwood, uh, it's at Brentwood too, so Brentwood coming off that unexpected bye week. But uh, the Bruins have had the, the last few games here, and they've all been entertaining, that's for sure. But back-to-back meetings in the playoffs, this is my circled matchup of the uh, of the week for sure. Really excited about this particular game because, one, it is Brentwood's homecoming. We've seen Independence beat Brentwood at Brentwood. I believe that was two years ago mm-hmm. when in the, the weirdest chain of events in the history of high school sports that I've ever been involved in where a kid lost both matchups when two different teams won. <laughs> when Chase Bishop lost the regular season game when he played for Brentwood and then lost in, as an Independence Eagle in the playoffs. Yeah. When, <laughs> what an experience, right? <laughs> yeah. That's Yeah. Well, and that was the uh the playoff game that went to double overtime. Right. I mean, just a fantastic and the regular season matchup was uh, I think there was almost seventy five points in that one. Um, you know, these two teams obviously just know each other so well and we get to see some of the uh, two of the top quarterbacks in the mid-state, I think. And when you look at Jackson Campbell and Cade Granzel going head-to-head like that, um, man, Jackson has been a head-turner and stat stuffer of late. He's just, where do you want to plug him in? That's the kind of fun thing. I mean, he could play anywhere on the field, it seems like. There's never a dull moment when these two teams tee it up. And and like you said, Charles, I, I got a chance to see Jackson this past weekend in that 35-23 win over Hendersonville, um, threw for 180, rushed for 164 total touchdowns. I mean, and what a revelation he's been at the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And coming from an All-State year as a defender, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you still see him out there. I mean, he's playing safety. He's doing everything. He's returning punts and kickoffs. He is the true do-all guy. And uh, – as Coach Blade said, well, you know, he's he's just he's a special athlete. You come across those every now and then, but he's he's some kind of special. What nineteen touchdowns on the year, and it seems like he's just he's kind of you're, you're going to get a couple rushing, maybe a couple passing every time. It seems like he's one of those guys for sure. You just want the ball in his hands, and as as much as you might hesitate to put him back there returning punts when he's so important to what you do offensively. You know, you don't want to cheat yourself out of an opportunity to have him have him make a house call. Exactly, exactly, and that's. I mean, you could kind of talk a little bit about you know maybe like a like a Destin Wade for Summit a little bit, but that's just kind of when you have the ball. It's like, well, you always give it to Destin, just kind of see what he can do sometimes. But for Jackson, as you pointed out there, might as well send him for kickoffs too because he's he's the guy and uh man that it's it's been it's been neat seeing how he's developed and how he's really embraced that role as the team leader for those guys and and you know as as old school as scott blade typically is i mean it, it's you don't expect him to you know, make that admission make that acknowledgement that this is our guy but yeah i mean in everything that takes place on the field, it, it's clear that's their guy. 
Yep. Yep. And <laughs> it, it still is. Uh, I think, I think coach blade's gotten a little, little, uh, I don't know, a little more active in how he's talking to us folks and a little more, you know, admitting to he's the veteran guy out there now. And we tease him about it at times now. And it's nice to be able to tease him a little bit. I still think of my first meeting with him. I think I got a Bill Belichick grunt or two and maybe a couple of yes or no's to a question. But we've come a long way now. And it's nice to be able to have full conversations. <laughs> it, and it's a good thing because we've got him on during the nine o'clock hour tomorrow. That's right. Oh, right on. See, there you go. You could have those things now. He's he's one of one of the faves in the area for sure. Oh, without and question. So such a veteran knowledge of the game. I mean, he is he's the guy. And then, you know, to have a guy like that, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm excited about Jackson's future, knowing that he's played for Coach Coach uh, Blade like that because uh, this is a kid that does a lot of things, a lot of good things on the football field. You know, shifting gears, Charles, as you mentioned. This is maybe the biggest game in Williamson County this weekend, but it's far from the only big game. Even in that region, you've got the Battle of Franklin with um, I almost almost messed up there with the Admirals and the Cougars <laughs> playing yeah. this weekend. And that's you know the last couple of years, this is the game that's kind of determined who's made it to the playoffs or not. And sure enough, we're kind of in that realm again i mean after uh indy was able to beat franklin there this is a a kind of must win for coach donnie webb's team but for centennial i've seen coach christie's team once there and they they're a scrappy bunch and they're finding ways to uh challenge teams um you know a two and four records something to think about there but both these teams coming in two and four but to think there's playoff implications in this one right away it's going to come down to a a big time showing there for Franklin and Franklin. Uh, I think they're, they're kind of licking their wounds after that loss. Cause this was that Franklin Indy matchup last week was, was the circled one for that region for sure as well. So I think Indy's got a great chance uh, in the region. If they could try to take care of business at Brentwood, Brentwood, the two time region defending champs there, but uh, man, there's, there's just some fun region six, six, a action there. You know, and and the fascinating thing about this Franklin Centennial matchup is the the two coaches, both Henry County grads, Donnie Webb, as you mentioned, and and Matt Kreisky, <laughs> and and those guys go way back. And you see a little bit of it every time these guys meet. Over the last few years, it's been a lot of fun to see the growing rivalry between them. But you know, they're they always coach. They know each other so well. That's the thing. And so many of our coaches in the county, even going back to the Indy Brentwood one. I mean, Coach Crawford, Coach Blade, all these guys know one another so well. But that one's a little more of a special relationship for sure. And uh, you know, at the end of that one, it's it's always kind of kind of fun to see him get a chat. But uh, I I really don't know who to really pick on that outcome because. Uh, you know, Franklin with the big offensive line, seen some good things for him. I was at that Summit game a few weeks ago when Summit uh, fell short against Franklin. And, you know, there was a drive there that Franklin looked unstoppable. And that was that one pretty right special. At the, end of, and I, the one at yeah, the end of the game was impressive. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 16 plays and 77 yards or something like that. And they just, they just grinded out. And that was a, a showing that I kind of thought, might be something we'd see against independence sure enough that kind of changed a little bit but now going in against an undersized centennial team i think franklin definitely has a little bit more of an upper hand especially 
a little more of a chip on their shoulder being 0-2 in the region. Ravenwood and Dixon County, the other region 6-6A game there. Ravenwood coming off of a very rare three-game losing streak. You would expect them to get that taken care of Friday night. Exactly. And I think for those guys, it's been a gauntlet. You know, September's been rugged. And, you know, Coach Daniels has always pushed these guys right to the edge here and always thrown a variety of a non-conference schedule at them. I know last year we got to see him play against Pulaski Academy as well. This year we did that as well. Blackman was on the schedule. And then, of course, the top team in the nation. It was kind of neat to watch, uh, watch one of the local teams playing on ESPN. And they, I really think they, they held they held their own up to a point there, and that was really special to be able to see. So I think they got some confidence from that, but now I think they could really try to get more of that confidence back because it's been a challenging few weeks for sure. And even before that, they had to face a tough Franklin team in region play. So four weeks in a row of just high-quality, high-caliber football. And uh, for Ravenwood, you know, the last few games, it's been – been taking care of the ball i think they've got 13 turnovers in three games and those three losses so um a lot of uh opportunity there to try to get back on the right track for coach daniels and the raptors i don't think espn does their jacked up segment anymore but if you're on twitter look up at m-e-1-e-s pollard p-o-l-l-a-r-d yes What Miles Pollard, the Ravenwood junior cornerback, did to that IMG receiver, (laughs) you'd get arrested for on the street. Exactly. (laughs) And he broke up the pass play on the next play. On the next play. Yes. Yeah. No, that back to back, it was one of those ooh and ah moments from the game. And, you know, every now, every football game, you get one of those great hits, perfectly timed, you name it. And that was the one. And here it was on a national audience for that young man. So pretty special. But then he comes right back and breaks up a pass in the end zone as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, good. that was, uh, yeah, Miles Pollard. That's worth a, worth a view for sure. It, it really is. Yeah, go check that out. Charles Pulliam with Williamson Herald joining us here on WKOM 1017 FM, Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Charles as rough as September was for Ravenwood, at least they were on the field, whereas another team in your county, Fairview, has been off for the last three weeks. Yeah. And they will return to action on Friday. Well, no, they played. They, they played, played on Saturday. They played Saturday over yeah. at Lebanon. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which they, they were still off for three <laughs> weeks technically. Yeah. Well. They had the that off- was uh, they played that Saturday game without any practice. They just rolled in. Yeah, hey, just, we want to play. <laughs> and and that's what I want to get to for a minute, Charles. Right. As, as well as the COVID situation that Fairview had to deal with. Despite all that, Fairview was ranked number five in last week's Associated Press Class Three A Top Ten. Mm-hmm. They roll into Six A Lebanon with no practice. Three no weeks. games for two plus weeks. They lose at Lebanon, a six A team, forty nine thirty five, and they fall from number five to number eight in this week's AP three A poll. Explain uh, that. Make me understand that. <laughs> well, uh, I think we're in the same boat of trying to understand that because 
even at the same time, if anyone paid any attention to the game itself, it was kind of like the legs started to give out, which they should. Because they hadn't practiced. And again, you know, going, being the undersized team, going against bigger guys, all these things line up. They played a great game. And it's a 6A team. On the road. I felt like just the way they didn't move in the AP poll when they weren't playing, they shouldn't have moved in the AP poll for losing this game. <laughs> That's the way it just seemed. I mean, Lebanon scored 22 points in the fourth quarter because, uh, well, you've run out of legs. Um, right. That's, But it, it shouldn't affect them being a non-conference 3A, 6A matchup. But uh, re- regardless, I know Coach Hughes was just happy to have those guys back out on the field. And and to, me, I... <laughs> to me, kudos to Chris for taking this game Absolutely. and getting his guys on the field and going on the road to a 618. Right. What kind of that's that's that kind of experience. I mean, I would have loved to hear what he told those guys after the game, just getting a little idea of, you know, finding finding some grit, finding some grind out of it. It's like, guys, obviously, we knew we were going to come out here a little rusty. But you battled right to the end, and you—I mean, they—they did well. That was a—that was a good showing there, and they still are a team. So that's what their fourth game of the year, then. Um, And with a Uh, third game, I think, because they they, East Hickman was a COVID win. That's right. It's a COVID cancellation. So third official game of the year. Yeah, man. And with the new quarterback still. So they're still trying to figure out a system. I mean, we saw, we've seen a lot of Riley Bennett on the wrestling mat. And it's kind of neat to see him under center. Um, I know he threw for a touchdown and uh, rushed for about 30 yards against Lebanon as well. He's a nice, nice dual threat, strong kid at QB for them. But they're still trying to figure out what their identity is, I think. And I really love the pictures from that game with um, Lebanon wearing their blue and Fairview wearing their gold. I'd, I'd like to see that more often at the high school level. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. And, you know, it was a Saturday afternoon game. Yeah. I was actually lined up to go there, but I had the time wrong. <laughs> so, you know, that happens. I'm usually a little little empty Saturday mornings anyway in terms of figuring out what I'm going to do that afternoon. Right. Well, Charles – Pulliam with the Williamson Herald joining us here on Tuesday as the Williamson Herald will do on Tuesdays, hopefully for the foreseeable future. You oh, can, very nice. Yeah, you can catch them again at uh, – tell them where they can get you on, on Twitter and all of that great stuff. <laughs> well, uh, our our main uh, account for sports is at uh, Sports on Twitter. You can follow me at uh, C.S. Pulliam, that's P-U-L-L-I-A-N, on Twitter. And, of course, uh, my partner in crime is Joe Williams, and he's the one that kind of runs that WH Sports account, and he's got his own as well. Uh, Joe underscore T underscore Williams is his handle there on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, the two of us do what we can. Um Joe's kind of turned into that uh, nice column writing Friday night coverage kind of guy. I've kind of taken the lead in a lot of different items. We have some support from uh, our writer, David Dawson as well. Fantastic writer, former, uh, uh, let's see, he was in the sports department at Vanderbilt, just a a veteran writer. I need to have him on board and a nice crew of uh, photographers as well. So we spread out what we can do and always finding 
things to cover and you know it's such a such a busy time of year and it's even with all the crazy going on there's a lot to be covered <laughs> williamson herald's really got you covered in williamson county and charles we appreciate you coming on with us for a little bit yeah no problem um i know one of the you know really quick there was a volleyball matchup tonight that i was kind of excited to cover but speaking of covid related things Number two summit versus number one Brentwood was tonight at Brentwood. The summit lady Spartans are going to be missing a few starters due to COVID-19 tracing. So that game kind of lost some of its luster for me tonight, but that was my plan stop. So we'll, we'll see. I know coach Warren Riker there is, uh, it's still got his drills in prime position though. All right. That's, that's sad to hear. I was looking forward to, to seeing how that one was going to turn out as well. But, Charles, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes, no problem. You guys have a good day. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about local stat leaders. We'll give you the scores from last night that we have and tonight's high school sports schedule when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Real quick, we're going to go over some of our local statistic leaders. Right now, in leading Murray County in rushing and potentially leading the area in total yards <laughs> is Zion Christian quarterback Luke Perko. He he currently sits third on the the rushing list uh behind Destin Wade of Summit and Jackson Campbell as we've just talked about from Independence. He's rushed 84 times for 543 yards and uh, four touchdowns in he's he's played six games, but we only have stats for five of them. So we're curious as to how the Fayetteville statistics came about we'll we'll see how that goes mm-hmm. um nonetheless Destin Wade does lead the area 62 rushes 631 yards that's more than 10 yards of carry Maurice that's not bad <laughs> that's not bad and and it doesn't hurt when your one carry in a 42 nothing win at Northwest goes for 52 yards and a score <laughs> that that will that will typically bump your average up yeah that, that'll bolster bolster it pretty pretty quickly um also in the area running out the top five austin seals from richland ran 67 times 451 yards 6.7 yards a carry and javen edmiston over at summertown has ran 67 times for 380 yards that's 5.7 yards a carry none of those are bad anytime you can get more than five yards a carry you're doing pretty good yeah it, it's like a it's like a um a tweet i saw yesterday someone making a suggestion to Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith if 
you give it to Derrick Henry on first down and he gets five yards or more, give it to him again on second down. I mean, that seems to be illogical. You know, what they always told me in high school is run it till they stop it. Till they stop it. And, and <laughs> it's as Bobby Johnson once said in a response to me at SEC Media Days in Birmingham, it's not rocket surgery. That's right. It's not rocket <laughs> surgery. That's right. Oh, man. Uh, in the passing statistics, again, Luke Perko is sitting at third behind Jackson Campbell of Independence and Brady McCandless of Columbia Central. Brady has thrown 106 passes this year, completed 63 for 687 yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Jackson Campbell leads the area, though. And this is a crazy number to me, at, yeah. particularly as you go back to our last segment with Charles Pulliam talking about this guy was all-region as a receiver, all-state as a defensive back, as a junior. In five games, Jackson Campbell has thrown for 940 yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception. It's, it's really it, – here's the thing, though is Jackson Campbell doesn't make mistakes throwing the ball because he has the ability to pull it and run it at any time, and he's still the best athlete on the field. <laughs> You're not wrong. He's very similar to what we saw last night, if you watch Monday Night Football and, and Lamar Jackson. If if Lamar Jackson has the, has the ability to pull it and run it, he can, and he will do it effectively. Of course, when you're – losing by a wide margin you kind of have to throw it <laughs> you can't afford to can't, can't afford to 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 keep the clock running but nonetheless Campbell is fantastic rounding out the top five at number four Destin Wade he's thrown it only 59 times this year but he's uh completed 36 of those for 587 yards seven touchdowns two picks and then Luca Boylan over at Spring Hill has 333 yards on 38 of 86 passing with a touchdown and three interceptions Again, these numbers are a little skewed for everyone because some of them have played three games, some of them have played four games, some of them have played six games. And some have played six, but we only have stats for five. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's just it's just odd. If you want to see all of those stats, and um, we're about to give you the receiving stats, uh, you can visit sm-tnsports.com. It is on the front page there, and you can just click that story. Receiving seems to be, you know, obviously if if Jackson Campbell has thrown for 940 yards, it only makes sense that Independence has a couple of folks in the Who's top five. Who's he throwing it to, That's right? right. He's yeah. throwing it to Calvin Wilson a lot. Mm -hmm. Six of those 10 touchdowns have gone to number three, Calvin Wilson. 14 catches, 360 yards, and 25 yards per catch. I throw it to him a lot. Uh, you just throw it, let him go get it. I mean, the, the first play of the Franklin game was – about an 80-yard touchdown strike to Calvin. So, again, that'll bolster you. <laughs> that, that will boost your numbers there. It, you know, watching them Friday night, it's it's amazing. I, I don't think Calvin had but maybe three receptions in that ball game. But the when they say a receiving core, that's independence because you're talking sure. about Calvin Wilson, you're talking about Ty Lockwood, who is huge for a sophomore. Big old kid. Um He's number three in the um, in the receiver stats with 19 catches for 245 yards. Has yet to get into the end zone though. Got to got to take care of that. You got Brigham Moore, Kyle, and um, and you've got the tight end Tyler Condra who caught yeah. the first touchdown pass 
in the win against Hendersonville. So he's he's got a number of places that um he can go in the passing game, and he um he's really spreading it around. I mean, when you look at the numbers in particular, I mean, Wilson's only got 14 catches, Lockwood's got 19, Morcow's got 14. So they spread it. They they balance it out even in the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to uh, right under Calvin Wilson at number two is Stephen Kennard. He's uh, caught 15 passes for 248 yards and three touchdowns. Sam Sullivan catching those Luke Perko passes. He's caught 12 for 241 in the five games that we have stats for. For a 20 yards a catch, that's pretty good. And five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. That's, 12 receptions, ooh. five touchdowns. Hey, make him count. When you <laughs> yeah. get them, make them count. Take it to the house. Yeah. And then Collins Malone at Columbia Academy's caught 14 for 196 and a couple of scores as well. Matter of fact, he had that first score against um, Shelbyville. He had the score against Shelbyville. In the first drive and probably should have had a second one, but they didn't call pass interference in the end zone on fourth down. (laughs) Hate when that happens. Uh, You know, anyway. Three minutes till the top of the hour. We've got... Some great stuff coming up in the second hour. We've got Ryan Callahan from 24-7 Sports at the bottom of that hour. We also have – we're going to talk on the other side of this. We're going to talk a little bit about SEC SEC football as it got started over the weekend and probably the most entertaining portion of the, <laughs> the, the, the weekend. But before we do that, we're going to give you, of course, all of the high school sports schedule where you can see your favorite local team – Tonight, on the playing surface, whatever that surface may be. On the pitch, you've got Columbia Academy going to Giles County for a 5 o'clock first touch. Um, Columbia Central is at Spring Hill at 6 o'clock in a game that we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, Cullioca goes to Hickman County at 6 o'clock. Richland is at Community at 6. And at 7, Summit hosts Nolansville on the pitch. That's right. In volleyball, Mount Pleasant hosts Lewis County at 5.30. At 6 o'clock, Columbia Central will travel to Cullioca. Also at 6, Hampshire will be at Summertown. And Summit and Brentwood are still playing, but Summit will be without a few of their starters. Also in um in a cross-country meet over at Community in Unionville, Summertown and Zion Christian will be going cross-country to compete in a cross-country meet going cross country that's good try getting from here to union oh yeah (laughs) trust me it's it's not easy that's going to do it for the first hour of southern middle tennessee sports today appreciate you guys listening appreciate charles pulliam for joining us on the other side like we said ron callahan talking a little sec football and of course it is top five tuesday we'll bring you the top five true crime series shows podcasts whatever movies documentaries true crime it is when we come back the southern middle tennessee sports today podcast is brought to you in part by beck dental care columbia academy jones and lang sporting goods custom stone handlers covenant technology and mid-tennessee bone and joint mid-tennessee bone and joint has been the official sports medicine provider for murray county schools for more than 40 years Specializing in orthopedic injuries and their OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net.
welcome back to the second hour of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Maurice, we had the opening weekend of Southeastern Conference football, and it was awesome. I don't know if you got to see any of the games. I saw the Kentucky-Auburn game, and that was fun and really cool to watch Gus Malzahn tribute to Pat Dye with that outfit. Really cool. <laughs> I saw a picture of that. That was pretty cool. I watched um, some of the um, Florida Ole Miss game before I had to um, take off to head out to Mount Pleasant for McEwen and the Tigers and then got home and watched some Tennessee, South Carolina. Super pumped about Lane Kiffin <sighs> at Ole Miss. I think that's going to be fun to watch. I was a little shocked, really, that um, Matt Coral apparently, for now anyway, has won that starting quarterback job over John Rice Plumley, who played really well as a freshman for them last year. Uh, so you say that, and I agree with your assessment. I was I, I said that on Twitter, and a friend of mine <laughs> who is an, an Ole Miss fan – um long story short hmm? he basically said he doesn't have much arm talent and Kiffin wanting to throw the ball playing that style of offense is a negative in recruiting a wide receiver and quarterback so he's not going to get the recruit because Plumley's arm isn't as good as Cor- as Corrals Corrals I don't, I'm not yeah, even I don't sure how you pronounce it, it. yeah, yeah so number 2 apparently <laughs> that is the the thought process there, mm-hmm. I will say, you know, Plumley when he came in in the Cal game and darn near brought him back to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought that was the coming out party. He he played well for the most part. Obviously lost lost the big games, but that's Ole Miss in general. Um, they they hired a new coach for a reason, <laughs> right? And I, I don't think Plumley was the reason. But I, I, I think mean, Elijah Moore might have been the reason well, actually when it of came it. Yeah, down sure. to it. But yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. I, I think Plumlee's the guy, but apparently Kiffin doesn't feel like he has the arm talent to run his offense. And I guess and, and he would know. I mean, I when it comes to offense, I, I don't question much of Lane Kiffin. He he took uh, Jake Coker to a national championship. And there's two things to <laughs> and one. Hey, yeah, there's two things to consider though. One. Coral Corral is mobile enough. I mean, he's not a Plumley, but he's mobile enough. He made some plays with his feet while I was watching that Florida game. And two, Plumley is more likely to give you something somewhere else. I think they're running him some at receiver as well. And he's pretty good. And typically, he's going to be one of the faster guys on the field whenever he's on the field. So. And and it, it gives you some reverse pass looks and opportunities that you might not have otherwise as well. Like you said, bottom line, going to be interesting to see Lane Kiffin with the keys to an offense in the SEC again. Yeah, uh, you mentioned watching the Tennessee-South Carolina game. I, I had it on my phone. I was at a uh, just a house party, DJing event thing, whatever. Um, Man of many times. Watching it on my phone and – I get a little frustrated, and especially if I if I can do something else and I get frustrated, I just you know go ahead and turn it off. Well, I turned it off right after the poor snap 
on the punt. And, of course, that didn't work out so great for Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt had some colorful comments on that. And, uh, Chicken Man, if you'll, if you'll pot up the, um, the, the phone, we're going, mm-hmm. we're going to see if we can get his comments. Well, you know, when Paxton signed here, he weighed like he was like 6'5", 157. He's worked really hard in the weight room. I think he's about 195 now. I would have liked to have seen him when on that bad snap to run over two or three folks and get us a first down. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's kicked the ball well, uh, and we need him to continue to do that. I was trying to make a joke there. They didn't. None of y'all think that was too funny. <laughs> I'm just saying that's <laughs> clearly. Clearly, that contract extension was not for his sense of humor. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny, but it was a little dry. You know how he can. You know, Coach Pruitt can be a little dry sometimes. You got a really, lot. You got to really know how to take him mm-hmm. when it's his. When you're talking that, so. It, Candid coaches in general are pretty great. A, a guy with a much better sense of humor, however, <laughs> is Mike Leach. And, of course, after upsetting the number six team defending national champion LSU Tigers. In Baton Rouge. On the road, in Baton Rouge. He had some things to, to say to the media, of course, and, and he never – Never disappoints. And one of his comments was, "What we we scheduled LSU because the Patriots, the Packers, and somebody the else, and the Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champion <laughs> Chiefs, already had games." Yeah. Uh, if you if you were listing the coaches in our area who would be most likely to give leech like comments, who would be? the most likely to do so now are we talking football any or are we them. talking all in any, any, any sport <laughs> i've had some enjoyable interviews with paul lamb the baseball coach up at spring hill chad kirby at spring I, maybe it's baseball guys but yeah the the first ones i think of are paul chad kirby at summit mark pickle at columbia central those guys are liable to say anything when I covered the Central Summit baseball game, the first one of last year, Chad Kirby made some comments, of course, after I've turned the recorder off. That's when – That were hilarious. Yeah. Um, that being said, if we're talking football, Scott Blade gives me a lot of off-the-record goofy comments like that because he's – I mean, he's as honest as any coach I've ever interviewed. Yeah, yeah, and and – like you said, w- once he gets to know you and he knows that off the record is off the record, that's when you get your best stuff. You can't use it, but it's but, <laughs> but it's quite enlightening. It, and it's a lot of fun to yeah. listen to uh, these coaches. You know, Mike Leach, coming from Washington State, have, having been at Texas Tech, those are two conferences where his offense was built to succeed. In the Southeastern Conference – Maybe less so. That being said, it when when you're talking about a brand new offense, something you've never seen before, you can point back to Ole Miss and Alabama when Ole Miss had um, Masoli, I think, mm-hmm. or 
whomever it was when they, when they beat Alabama, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's tough to defend if you don't have any any film film on it with those particular players. And Chip kind of spoke to that yesterday, talking about um, other defenses will now have some film on Mississippi State offensively mm-hmm. on KJ Costello, who threw for six hundred and twenty three yards against LSU, and I'm sure that had Ed Orgeron in a conniption. <laughs> but um, I think the film is great, but I think if Tech, if <laughs> Texas Tech, if Mississippi State is going to throw it that many times, then it's going to be tough to stop it unless you're going to be out there in nickel and dime all game, which is probably what he wants so he can turn around and hand it off. So I, I was listening, and I don't remember who I was listening to, but apparently Chris Peterson at Washington said that eventually this offense becomes incredibly predictable Mm. and it's pretty easy to stop when you know what they're going to do before they do it. (laughs) So either the... Of course, this is Chris Peterson, who was no slouch when he was at Washington. I, I have to think that the SEC West has got three or four of those Chris Petersons. I'm just saying, they've got they've got four national championship coaches in the division. Wow, in the division, <laughs> the division of seven. <laughs> the majority of the coaches in the division have won a national championship in college football. That's great. I never thought about it like that, but you got me going down the list: Jimbo Fisher, Saban, Malzahn, and Orgeron, and Orgeron. <laughs> he just beat one of them, though. So there you go. <laughs> that being said, I just thought it was unique um, yeah. that you know, that that Peterson would say that he could, he knew what they were going to do before they were doing it. It's a lot easier to say that from the couch. That's true. That's true. But I mean, they clearly, you know, Washington won a lot of Apple Cups while they were both there. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I'm still interested to see how. Might be this- interesting to talk to Matt Rogers about that. It it very well could be because Matt would Matt would know, you know how. I'm not sure he didn't play there then. No, but, but I mean with his Pac-10 background, he I'm has sure he's seen a little sure. bit. And yeah. and here's the thing, you know, when you've got, we've seen the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 against SEC defenses. It doesn't work, not because of the scheme. Hmm. I think it doesn't work. Because they ain't got the horses. It ain't you, the X's and the O's. It's not the it's X's the and the O's. And the it's Joes. the Jimmy's and the Joe's. That's right. And I fully believe, after what Dan Mullen was able to do at Mississippi State, that it is highly possible to get those Jimmy's and Joe's and put in his offense. And if you've got serious arm talent and the speed of SEC speed wide receivers. In that offense, if you've got any type of run game whatsoever, Mississippi State, on a defense, of course, mm-hmm. Mississippi State becomes a very difficult team to deal with. Yeah. They've already got a local kid down there in the receiving core. Javante Payton, who played his high school ball at Hillsborough, had six catches for 122 yards in that win over um, over LSU. In fact, you had a number of area kids involved in that ball game because um, – Former Independent standout Landon Guidry is also on that Mississippi State roster, and um, 
Jacoby Stevens from over uh, from Oakland is playing safety for um, LSU and is expected to be either a first or second day pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So a lot of lot of local interest in that particular SEC game. Oh, no question. And there's a lot of interest in locally interest in college football in general, especially in the SEC, OVC especially. And it's fun to have it back. Yeah, absolutely. And while the some of the conferences aren't playing, they are allowing their schools to play some games. Jacksonville State plays at Florida State this weekend, and the Gamecocks got a chance. <laughs> With Zarek Cooper at quarterback, former Clemson quarterback, and, and as bad as Florida State has looked, oh, I think – now, in 2009, we, we took Ryan Perilou down there and the Gamecocks nearly pulled off the upset, beat them for 59 minutes and four and three seconds. They scored twice in 57 seconds to beat Jacksonville State. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, uh, and then, of course, Jacksonville has the win over Ole Miss from 2010. Sorry, Alex McDaniel, if you're listening. I hate to bring that memory back up to you. Not at all, actually. <laughs> but, you know, it, I saw something at one point during one of the Florida State games that, um, again, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, but somebody had posted that um, maybe it wasn't, um, and I forget, whose place did Norvell take? The guy at – at Florida, Inter- Florida Act, yeah. International Atlantic. I forget his name. Yeah, I, f- I forgot his name. From Western Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Willie Taggart. There. Yeah, somebody posted that maybe it wasn't Willie Taggart after all. I don't think it was at all. That thing is slid. Yeah. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk to Ryan Callahan, 24-7 Sports Spring Hill native, on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao, joined as always by Maurice Patton, 25 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock here at WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia, Tennessee, where it is a beautiful 58 degrees outside, sunny here on West 7th, and I'm telling you, this is the perfect weather for me. I, I I really enjoy that cool, crisp weather when you get outside, and it's it's nice. I'm curious how the weather is in other parts of the state. I wonder if our guests can tell us. We are joined by Ryan Callahan of 24-7 Sports. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Ryan, um, stationed in Knoxville where he covers the University of Tennessee football program, primarily recruiting um 
What's it like on the hill, Mr. Callahan? It's, uh, you know, I, I think people are just glad to have football back uh, in, in a way. But uh, I, I, at the same time, though, you know, I say that, I think that feeling sort of wore off about 10 minutes into the game Saturday night. So now that people have gotten past that initial excitement, they're just, hey, there's football to watch. They're, they're mostly now happy Tennessee's 1-0. and uh, And you can definitely tell there's a little bit more optimism about this season, a little bit better feeling uh, among people in general now that Tennessee's gotten that first game out of the way, gotten past South Carolina. And, yeah, I think people are feeling a, a little bit better, even though there's obviously a lot that team has to clean up. Uh, as as expected, I think, going in, uh, coming out of that first game. And wasn't that pretty well expected across the board with the offseason and preseason having been what they've been for everybody? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, especially Tennessee, when you look at, you know, I, I kind of made the point Saturday night, if you weren't expecting that kind of performance from Tennessee, I think you just weren't really paying attention to what was happening leading up to the season opener because they – they were literally missing more than 40 players on their roster at one time uh, just a few weeks before the season opener uh, during a Saturday scrimmage or, or Saturday practice to the point that they canceled uh, or postponed twice at least uh, a scheduled scrimmage. Uh, they didn't they get to have their first scrimmage for uh, about a week after they initially planned to have it. So they, they had to alter their practice schedule several times throughout the preseason uh, they, they, when they finally did get to practice, they were still shorthanded. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was happy at one point. They were only they were down to only 34 players sitting Jeez. out that scrimmage. Only so, 34. I mean, when, when you're going through something like that and having all those players out, uh, it, it really wasn't until the final week before the game that they started to get guys back from these. And they're mostly two week absences because anyone, even if they're just caught up in contact tracing or they were near someone, uh, possibly exposed to someone with the virus. Uh, even if they're caught up in that, it's a it's a mandatory 14-day quarantine. So every one of those players missing a couple weeks, and they just got back a, a lot of those guys last week. So the continuity on the practice field, none of that was there. Uh, so so I, I think Tennessee, in a way, was pretty worried going into Saturday night's game, not really knowing what they could expect and not really knowing how much, uh, how much of what they had done on the practice field had really uh, made up for the, the lost time they had, just not having the starters out there together very much at all in the preseason that that's a, that's a huge setback so i think they're pretty happy to get a win and have some things to work on and move on from there it's a lot easier to work on things from one and oh than it is from oh and one um absolutely well i mean that being said though you know this is a team that only gave up they gave up one touchdown on the first drive of the game in the first half that's not bad considering <laughs> so you got i mean there, there's some positives to take away there Anyway, I just thought that was, I mean, it's pretty good considering what all the things you just told us to give up only the only touchdown to be on the first drive of the game. Well, uh, they, they gave us some, I mean, they gave us some points in that game. And uh, South Carolina hung around, obviously, for, for a while and uh, made it interesting to the end. I mean, for, for Tennessee to have to get a, a, a mishandled punt there in the final minutes to, to hold on, you know, it was, it, it was clearly a nerve-wracking game for Tennessee fans. But, you know, to that point, South Carolina's always given Tennessee fits in recent Will years. Will Muschamp you know, in general. Yeah, and last year was the first time Tennessee had beaten Will Muschamp, and that, and that was a, game, a 20-point win for Tennessee, a game that sort of got away from South Carolina in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I don't think that was really indicative of maybe the, the gap between those two teams. So you expected this to be a close game, and Tennessee was a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, a lot of places, they won by four. So it, it's about the kind of game we thought uh, they would have going in. 
Uh, no one really saw Tennessee blowing out South Carolina. And, and yeah, you, you had plenty of mistakes in that game. But, uh, yeah, to, to, to get some, some big plays on defense, to have the offense not turn the ball over, uh, yeah, that, again, they'll have so much to clean up on tape from this. But just to have all those guys back and, and to look like a pretty confident team out there, to not have a ton of penalties, to not turn it over a bunch, uh, I think you really, uh, all things considered, have to take that as, as a win overall, not, not just the result. I think you have to be pretty satisfied with what you got out of that team. All that said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, back when Bo Wallace was down at Ole Miss, you had good Bo, bad Bo. Um, yeah. We've seen good JG, bad J, uh, JG. Where do you think the quarterback situation goes? Is there a quarterback situation? I, I don't think so. I, honestly, I – that 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 was in a lot of ways a pretty typical uh, <laughs> performance to me for, from Jarrett Garantano. I mean, he, he kind of, he's a fifth year senior. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are, are kind of been kind of hoping maybe there's a large jump that you can expect to to have from a guy who's not just a fifth year senior, but finally in his second year under the same coordinator and position coach, which he hadn't had in his career up to this point. Uh, so to finally have some continuity there, maybe you see a big jump from him this year. You know, people kind of looking back at guys like Jonathan Cropton who've done that before, but, you know, different situation here and not in a normal offseason. But aside from that hope that he's just going to suddenly become a different guy, I think we sort of know what he is by now. And that's not to say that he's not a good quarterback. I just – he's not been a consistently accurate pinpoint on-the-money quarterback, and so he's going to miss some throws from time to time. You know that going in. But one of the things he does well is he takes care of the ball he doesn't make it usually Alabama last year being the main exception usually doesn't make any really regrettable decisions uh, and, and keeps the team in, in, in good situations overall. And this staff has a lot of trust in him. So I, I think when you look back at what he did, his final stat line wasn't bad. He had a handful of missed throws that, that people are going to uh, not going to forget for sure. Uh, but he also made a lot of plays and the fact that we can look, look back at those missed plays and say, but he still had the, the numbers that he did. You know, he could have had a 300-yard game and, uh, you know, a handful of touchdowns if he'd hit on some of those throws. So, And that's kind of what you what you often look back at his a lot of his performances and say. So I, I, I didn't think he played that badly. And I, I think if he just, uh, you know, can have have a little bit more consistency in making those throws uh, this coming week, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think people will be too worried about him. I, just, I think that's you, you kind of know what you're getting in him to a degree mm-hmm. and, and the, the offense around him didn't play badly, but if they can continue to, to improve even more, I, I, I don't think the quarterback situation will be a huge concern. Yeah, that one throw on the first drive after the South Carolina touchdown, he throws it at the perfect time just between the corner and the safety, and it just sailed on him. And it was, I yep. mean, it, it was a a beautiful read and well, you know, well-timed throw, but it just overthrew it. And, and he's, he's always had those a little bit, you know, I, I think touch is kind of the one thing mm-hmm. that has eluded him a little bit at times in his career, just, you know, has had one the other night uh, going toward the end zone where he just burned one in there on a third down, I think it was, and, and just completely zoomed it past the receiver when, when a little bit more touch maybe could have given his receiver at least a chance to make a play on the ball. And, and that's the kind of thing that you see from him a little bit too much. So yeah, some early passes certainly sailed on him. Uh, just he, he's going to have those stretches. But to me, the big thing that that was impressive about that game, South Carolina fought back. You know, when Tennessee went up two touchdowns to start the second half, I think a lot of people thought, okay, they may run away with this game. South Carolina mm-hmm. hasn't done anything since that first drive. 
Tennessee's looking pretty good. If they made I some halftime that. adjustments, <laughs> yeah. If they, if they made some halftime adjustments, you know that this this thing may get may get away from South Carolina. They weren't playing especially well at that time. South Carolina comes right back, scores a couple touchdowns in the third quarter, ties it, and Tennessee answers with at least a drive for a field goal. But every time South Carolina got got right back there uh, and tied it, Tennessee answered almost immediately. So that that to me was impressive. They never they never got rattled. Uh, it, it reminds me a little bit, and I wonder if we'll see this more throughout the season, kind of what we've seen from the Tennessee Titans so far this season, uh, and maybe not for the, except for the COVID that, uh, <laughs> that they're dealing with now. But, um, but just the way that the, you know, the Titans haven't been especially sharp this season, but they're 3-0 and because they've sort of been there before, and they're learning how to win now after that, that playoff run last year. I think Tennessee, uh, you know, to, to a, maybe a lesser degree, is is has a chance to have a little bit of the same experience this year where they they've got a lot of confidence now because they won those final six games last year seven of their last eight and you might see them in some close games this year and and is just knowing how to win and close those games out going to pay off this year i think saturday night you saw that i don't think they were rattled at all in a close game and, and that's a big thing to me so so if they can continue to do that in close games i think they'll be okay this year that was to me one of the big positives to take away from that now, um, as you look across the conference from this past weekend, Ryan, uh, and, and we're, we're visiting with Ryan Callahan from 24-7 Sports, uh, Spring Hill native who covers University of Tennessee recruiting primarily. Is that fair to say, Ryan? Yeah, that's, uh, I co- cover the team also, but yeah, recruiting is my uh, primary title. Okay. As you look across the conference on this opening weekend, what did you see that – jumped out at you in any kind of way well it's, it's hard not to start with mississippi state uh they're they're <laughs> kind of the story story of the conference with that upset win at lsu and uh you know i, I thought state would keep that game pretty competitive and, and i knew lsu had lost a ton of talent from last year's team when you look at the guys they had go to the draft and some of the players have had opt out and leave in the off season uh they, they had a lot to replace but at the same time i don't think anyone really thought deep down state would win that game so impressive debut for for mike leach there and uh i I think we'll see you know i'm not expecting mississippi state to jump up and start competing for the sec west or anything like that i think some people are getting a little carried away with uh you know what kind of success mike leach really can have there uh but at the same time uh that's a he he's he runs a system and a style that's so different from what most teams uh throw at you in the sec that he's going to be a pest Uh, his teams will be difficult to face every single week so I think seeing confirmation of that and, and, and a win at LSU to get things started uh, just shows you a state. Uh, that, that's a game you cannot overlook now on, on any SEC schedule. Um, that, that stands out, obviously. you know Some typical first-week struggles. I think Georgia's first-half struggles get uh, mostly cast aside because they were able to bounce back in the second half. But that's, that's an interesting storyline because their quarterback situation is unsettled. Looks like JT Daniels is good to go now. Um, so does does he shake things up for their offense, and do they start to look better this week against Auburn? You know, I, obviously they didn't have have trouble winning that game, but if they can get that offense going, that's a national title contender potentially. So that's a that's a big storyline. And then, uh, you know, I, I I think Florida looking pretty good to me. Uh, you know, they they were one of the few teams that I think kind of lived up to to expectations uh, in week one. Didn't have too much trouble with Ole Miss. So I, I think that, you know, certainly in relation to Georgia, that looks looks like a real battle to me in the SEC East. And in Kentucky, to me, the disappointment of the week, uh, I thought they had I a agree. chance to hang in there with Auburn and play pretty well in that game and, and maybe make things pretty interesting at the end. 
instead, Terry Wilson kind of reminding everyone that he's he's still got another step to take if Kentucky's really going to challenge anybody in the SEC East. Kentucky had been a pretty trendy pick to maybe uh, surprise some people win six or seven games this year if things fall their way. And, uh, you know, I'm not, not saying it's hard to see them having that kind of year, but they've, they've got a long ways to go from the way they played Saturday at Auburn. Well, that last play of the uh, of the first half was just mind-boggling for me. You know, you, you have the ball yep. inside the one-yard line. Just run the football, right? I mean, well, you, get, and you've got Terry Wilson that can do it. Well, and I, don't, I don't remember their timeout situation there. I, if they were out of timeouts, maybe that explains it more. But I, either, either way, even if you're going to throw it there, you got to throw the ball away. I mean, just to me, Terry Wilson, a lot of his problems, just situational awareness. Oh, the guy was open. He just threw it behind him. Uh, If he, if he throws it to the pylon in the front, it's a touchdown. Yep. So I, and to me, and and later you saw it when they were on a a two point conversion, he threw the ball away. Um, That's the the exact opposite. (laughs) I mean, why are you doing that? That's where you throw it up into traffic and give somebody a chance. So, uh, yeah, he, he's just, to, to me, the on-field awareness just not, not always there, and the accuracy, as you said, not always there. So uh, he, he's still got to improve if, if that Kentucky team is going to really take a step. But the pieces are still there for them to still be a, a, a pest to a lot of teams, and that won't be an easy game for Tennessee this year either. Um, but that, that, to me, that, that was a bit, little bit of a disappointment to see Kentucky uh, not play any better than that. And, and on, the, on the flip side, got to give credit to Vanderbilt. I, I thought Texas mm-hmm. A&M was going to run them out of the out of the place. They were, what, 30-and-a-half-point favorites? And Vanderbilt, you know, we'll, we'll find out this week maybe what, more what Texas A&M is all about. They get Alabama. Um, but Vanderbilt, to me, hanging in that game was uh, was a pretty big surprise. I, I thought Vanderbilt looked, looked pretty good, or Texas A&M is maybe not anywhere near as good as we thought they were going into this season. Kellen Mond is who we thought he was. That that may be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ryan, you talked about the situation with JT Jan, uh, Daniels down at Georgia, and and obviously the next question is, what's the deal with Cade Mays? Yeah, still on hold for now, and there, there's been some talk of a you know a possible vote this week among SEC presidents to to get that rule changed, uh, the the rule that, that that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey referred to last week as as sort of his his reason for maybe not not feeling a lot of urgency to make any sort of ruling on a on a on a waiver or or an appeal to for him to be eligible uh but you know he kind of pointed to that because it's he said hey it's a rule that's been in place in this conference for years when you when there's an intra-conference transfer like that and it's not a graduate transfer which even that exception was just added only a few years ago Mm -hmm. if you recall when brandon kennedy left alabama to go to tennessee there was a little bit of a fight there uh, on Alabama not wanting to see him eligible right away. Um, that that had to be cleared, and so that rule's been changed now. So graduate transfers, you can transfer within the conference and be immediately eligible. Uh, and, a, and a player leaving a program that's had postseason sanctions imposed can be eligible right away. But otherwise, interconference transfers have to sit out a year. And Sankey's point was, hey, that rule's been in place for years. It hasn't been changed by it's our member good. institutions. And, uh, and And he said, hey – cut and dry to me uh, that rule's been in place if you guys want to change it that's fine but don't have that rule in place and then come ask me to to, to lift the rule for these these transfers you took them knowing the rule was in place and, and now you're hoping for an exception so he made it last week sound not very opti- you know not, not giving tennessee fans a lot of optimism there at all uh that that, that ruling would be changed I, you know, we'll, we'll see if this if this vote does happen this week that we've heard some talk about uh, among league presidents to maybe change that rule. We, we could see something change, but that, to me, that Sankey's kind of laid, 
laid the situation out that that's that's what it's going to take a rule change probably to get this fixed so obviously it's going to take some sort of vote like that and and if it does come to a vote do they have the votes to get it overturned are there some teams still resisting this we know alabama has never really been a fan nick saban never really been a fan of these uh intra-conference transfers this way are there enough teams pushing back you know georgia obviously is where a couple of these transfers left uh Ole Miss transfer otis reese in addition to Cade mays so are they going to vote against it you know so how many teams are willing to oppose this still uh but to me if it goes to a vote i think there's a good chance it does get cleared because people know a one-time transfer exception is likely coming sooner rather than later maybe next year from the ncaa so if that's the case go ahead and make the rule change i think a lot of people will say and just get get out get out in front of it and start allowing these interconference transfers to happen and, and allow them to be eligible right away so i i think there's still a chance not closing the door on it but to me that's what's got to happen it's got to take a rule change i don't see greg sankey taking unilateral uh, action at this point and just saying you know we're going to make exceptions in these cases i think he's going to leave it up to the rest of the league to, to change it as they see fit i think though for all of that any other year it makes sense in a year where the ncaa is not counting eligibility anyway yeah yeah <laughs> that's and that that is the tough part I, I i totally understand that argument and at the same time i totally understand where greg sankey's coming from you know do, if you make an exception this year and then you go back to business as usual next year how are people going to look at that next year so to me if you're going to do it this year you kind of you, you're, you're kind of ripping off the band-aid forever uh, you know i think you're probably going to have have to just make it that way going forward to be fair to people because then you'll have a lot of people in the same situation next year wanting to be eligible right away which again to me that's negated a little bit even in that situation because you're probably going to have a one-time transfer exception everyone agrees that's coming uh and probably next year so to me very little downside in going ahead and making that change if they do if they do decide to make it but uh yeah i i mean i Sankey looks like he's kind of been passing the buck on this uh, essentially. And that's, and I, I can't say I blame him in his situation. Uh, any, any action you take gets, uh, gets scrutinized uh, really heavily. So, you know, at the end of the day, just pointing to a rule that's been in place for years is a lot easier than making a decision that's unpopular with somebody's fan base. So I, I can understand that. But in the meantime, he's, he's kind of uh, enemy one a for Tennessee fans right now. They want to see Cade Mays out there. <laughs> No question. Hey, what's the game, Sarah, do you got your eyes on besides Missouri coming to Tennessee for an 11 o'clock Central time kick? You know, I think there are a few interesting ones. I mean, Georgia-Auburn's always a big game. Uh, you know, I, I think that one's uh, that one's pretty interesting. But, I, I you know, it, it's kind of the game of the week in the conference, so it's a, it's a little bit of a cop-out. But I, I think Alabama <laughs> and Texas A&M, that's a – that, that's a really interesting one. You know, if you're a Tennessee fan, you, you've got two teams there on, on the on Tennessee schedule to watch since they do play Texas A&M now this year. Um, if Kellen Mond and, and Texas A&M are not as good as expected, that, that game suddenly looks a lot more winnable for Tennessee, whereas if A&M looks like a top 10, top 15 kind of team uh, and, and hangs with Alabama, maybe you, you look at that as a, as a game Tennessee's going to have a hard time winning. Uh, so, yeah, that, that one to me is still really interesting. Is Alabama as good as we think? And is, is, is that a national championship contender? Oh, and is Texas A&M really ready to take that big step under Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher? So that one to me is, is really interesting. But uh, we're getting into some good games here early on. I, I'm liking this conference-only schedule. I know they're going back to eight games next year in conference if they can, but 10 games, conference-only, this, this is going to be pretty fun. And the fact that we're having games like this to talk about in week two 
uh, I like this quite a bit. It's, it's going to be a good games each week, kind of like the NFL. All right. That's Ryan Callahan from 24-7 Sports. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. We appreciate your time. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Ryan. All right. When we come back, it's Top 5 Tuesday. True crime series shows. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you on the other side of the break. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It's the last segment of the day, 49 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. And we've got Top 5 Tuesday coming up here in just a second. But right now, we're going to get Maurice. He's going to tell you all of the SEC football games and times. And I guess if there's some TV. They're all on TV. I just don't know if uh, you yeah, have that I'm information. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Where. I don't have that information. Okay. But um, thanks again to Ryan Callahan from 24-7 Sports for um, checking in with us for a few minutes. This weekend, on Saturday, 11 o'clock kickoffs, breakfast with the Gators, the number three Gators as they take on um, visiting South Carolina. Number 21, Tennessee hosts Missouri, also at 11 o'clock Saturday at 2.30, presumably the CBS game of the week. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You've got number 13, Texas A&M, coming off that impressive win over Vanderbilt. <laughs> Going to number two, Alabama. You've also got at 3 o'clock Central Time, Ole Miss travels to Kentucky. At 6.30 Central, number 20, LSU at Vanderbilt Stadium, taking on the Commodores. Also at 6.30, Arkansas goes to number 16, 1-0, air rating it up with the Pirate, Mississippi State. And at 6.30, you've got number seven, Auburn, going to number four, Georgia, between the hedges at Sanford Stadium. So um, big week two for the SEC. Yeah, it, it, it is. This is a huge week and should be a lot of fun. Breakfast with the Gators, that's two weeks in a row and maybe a third week next week from what I understand. So we'll see. Tennessee-Georgia could be the 2.30 game, I guess, depending on you would think. this week's. Yeah. yeah. If they so. both go in there 2-0, and oh, you got to figure. Yeah. All right. It's Top 5 Tuesday. I told you, like Steve Harvey said, we got a good one for you today. It's the Patton family. Taking <laughs> on the Yale, the Yale family. <laughs> and we're going to give you a little survey results. One person survey right here. <laughs> ah, yeah, no doubt. 
J.P. Price Plant. J.P. Price, dear God. J.P. Plant in the studio with, I don't know where that came from. J.P. Plant was well, you were thinking, us. name your price. I, I guess. Yeah. The price, price is right. Price is right, yeah. yeah. You were in game show host mode. I was. All right, um, today's top five is true crime series and shows. I saw you tweet or Facebook about true crime the other day, and the first thing I, I know I responded with, I smell a top five in the future. <laughs> I'm a huge true crime fan. fan. I listen to true crime podcasts pretty much exclusively on long road trips for some reason. And so really interested to hear what you guys think on this. But um, if you've got... Uh, you got your top five ready. I've got my top five ready. I'm not sure if JP has a top five, but we will let him get in on this anytime he wants to jump in. But I'm going to start with number five. My number five is the it. To me, it's the OG. It's the original, and that's Forensic Files. Because I can I can turn that on and watch Forensic Files literally all day, all night long. I like Forensic Files. It's a I good like, one. I like it a lot. In fact, you're going to hear more about it later. My number five, though, is Cold Justice. It's a retired yeah. DA, Kelly Ziegler, Ziegler, I think, yeah, who goes or travels around the country and takes on cold case files and kind of putting new eyes on it. And I, I, I like that. She does a great job with that. JP, you got, do you have a top five or what? I don't what have a got? top five, but okay. I, I have a a number one that, All right. uh, and Hang it on may be it. debatable as to whether it's technically a cold case. You can make uh, an argument that it's a cold case, but I think it'll fit in this genre for today's exercise. Okay. Awesome. Hang right. on to it. I will. Yeah. All right. Number four, Netflix is making a murderer. That was a incredibly well done original docu series. The second part of that series was just as well done and I have my own theories and I'm sure there are plenty of theories out there but make you murder at number four I've got at number four a true crime movie I guess okay. or or a an adaptation or or a true non-crime perhaps oh Brian banks ah the um California prep football that is a great star. movie by the way yeah um who was convicted of rape and and gave up a scholarship and was later exonerated and um it was something i got a chance to see during lockdown back in the early days of covid and um great great movie if you get a chance to check it out do so but that's my number four that was a a really good movie about a really bad situation and, and it happens more often than one might think. Than we want to. Than we want to think. Yeah. yeah. Number three podcast time. Up and vanished. Up and vanished is a true crime podcast series where um, a guy goes down to South Georgia and t- tries to help open the case of um, a, a teacher who was killed. And, um, yeah, that's, that's great right there. <laughs> but she, she was a teacher. She was killed. And, uh, he goes down there and while he's doing the podcast, the, there are some people who end up being arrested, but it's not due to his necessarily his stuff. But I think it was more that they just realized something was coming and they ended up turning themselves in, or at least one of them did. Is that some X-Files? 
Spot on Good there, Mo. Lord, nice. Um, tell, after we get off the air, I'll tell you a great X-Files story. Anyway, okay. continue. My number three, 16 Shots. Ooh. Another documentary, the um, the case of Laquan McDonald up in Chicago being killed by um, members of the Chicago Police Department and getting an eventual conviction on that. I saw a I, I saw a documentary, I don't remember what it was called, but it was about the Ahmad Arbery case. And that was Already? a Already? Um not Ahmad the uh the guy from New York. Oh, Ahmad, I know who you're talking about, Khalif. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I know who you're I talking thought it, about. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember, but anyway, it was a it was very similar to that. It was about mm-hmm. New, the New York Khalif police. Browder. No. I don't think that's it. Okay. All right. I I'll, I'll have to look it up. But yeah. Love those. Okay. Uh, number two for me is American Greed. The first episode I saw of this was the Richard Scrushy case, which why you know that's why I watched it because I had interest in that particular case. Mm-hmm. Um, but great show it turns out to be, you know, lots of just mostly financial white collar crimes. But you know, it's always kind of cool to see the man go down sometimes. <laughs> My number two is First 48. I really like the format where they're able to take on two um, two cases in two different cities typically sure. and, and get you all wrapped up in an hour. It's really fascinating the way they do that. Guys, I got um, I did find three. Okay. So uh, right. I got a number three. Uh, and these uh, two of these, I think, are all on Netflix. Are all Netflix. The Keepers. That's a great one. Uh, about a, uh, a nun in Pittsburgh. And uh, the mystery there, excellent. Uh, number two, this is an interesting series, uh, Fargo. I, I've heard of it. I've not seen it. I'm oh, about yeah. to have to check that out just because Each it's season, got Chris Rock. Yes, in is the a, latest. Yeah, is the newest uh, season. And then Making a Murderer is was my number. Your number one. one. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a great one. All right, my number one is another podcast. It's Small Town Murder, mm. and. If you've not heard Small Town Murder, it's two comedians who take the first 45 minutes of the show and just make ta- make fun of whatever town the murder happened in. Uh, they go through the Wikipedia stats, and then they have things to do, and it's actual things to do in that town. And they most of the time, the things to do in that town are exactly like Mule Day or you know just goofy-sounding stuff. And they just make fun of it forever. So that's my number one. It's on uh, Apple Podcast, Small Town Murder, James Petrogallo, and Jimmy uh, Wisman. My number one is your number five. The oh. OG. The OG. The OG of true crime, Forensic Files. Uh, and there have been times that I've sat up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning watching those. Not now. Not on purpose. No, but but if you, if you watch the first two minutes... You're You're in. Yep, you're hooked. Yeah. They do a great job. All right, that's Top 5 Tuesday. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel, right here on WKOM 101 FM.